0: So it's a weekend of awakening, and um, that's the theme. And tomorrow night uh, with the leaders, I'll be showing a few pictures up there and talking about the history of what we are walking in today and who has prepared the way for us to have the revelation that we have in the Word of God, and be able to be able to enjoy what we have. And very often we just don't realize what we do have until someone talks about it. So this evening I just want to talk on something called RAW, R-A-W, RAW Faith. When it comes to awakening, I think what it is, we, don't sometimes, we sometimes don't realize that we are sleeping. <laughs> In the sense that we think we're at the place where God wants us until something else happens And opens up an area and you realize there's a whole lot more that we should know, that we should be walking in, and possibly stuff that we have forgotten about that we should be walking in. A couple of weekends ago, we were in Amkamas, and then we were in Barberton last weekend. And the people said, you've come and awakened us. And I'm thinking, now, I'm just talking church life. I'm just talking the word. But I think awakening is revival. An evangelist is what people call us. A evangelist, when he comes to a church or when she comes to a church, she causes an expression, an experience of God to happen within us. So in each of our lives, there's an experience that we get with God, something fresh, something new. So that when you go from the church you express what you have an experience of. Isn't that what happened in Acts chapter 2? together, they had an experience, they went out, and they expressed it. So what causes us to cause church growth is that we have to be ignited, revived, have a revival within us, and that when we catch on fire, we don't have to have fear of man we cause fire in other people's hearts. So, one of the questions is when we're looking about re- talking about revival, we're expecting something from the outside to come in to change us. I think that's a very negative, unparticipant way of doing church. Because what I understand about revival is every one of us in this room can have your revival in your heart. You just have to let this thing burn. You just have, have to have that Emmaus Road experience. And that experience on the Emmaus Road came about when somebody opened the Scriptures to them, did not our hearts burn within us. And so it's simply opening the Word of God and catching a fresh view of what it's about. And so I'm not being negative, I'm not saying anything uh, different, I'm just thinking that revival, we're just waiting for something to happen. So I'm here, God, you make a change. Uh -uh. He says, I've done everything, you make the change. And I think for us, we, we carry a revival in our hearts. I'm passionate about the Word. I love the Word of God. I put it first. And I don't have to defend it because it has defended itself. Truth has risen from the dead. Truth always has resurrection power. And so it doesn't have to defend itself. What we are to do is to have... An understanding of of his perspective. I think what happens is, when I look at the men of old, the Pentecostal holiness, the, the Pentecostal charismatic Christian church. I mean, what a mixture. Pentecostal, charismatic, Catholic Christian church. That was one denomination. So the guy didn't know what he was, so he just took everything and said, I think it's that way. But the thing is, he had the word Pentecostal and charismatic, which are dangerous words to the Catholic. But that actually didn't matter. It mattered more about what he was doing and saying. And so often we define ourselves by who we link to. But there's one that we need to be linked to more than anything else who does define us. And we're saying about that lily of Sharon, right? His name is Jesus. So tonight I want to bring a word to you that I haven't preached. You're the first ones to hear it, and it's just sitting on my heart, and there's nothing dis- more dishonoring than bringing you an old piece of word to you that someone else has heard. <laughs> it's to honor you that you're the first time to hear it. So, so if it doesn't come across smoothly, I'm still working it out, but it's fresh revelation. It came, It came on a delivery vehicle by the Holy Spirit this morning, so... Here it is. Yeah. So Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. I've typed out these scriptures. Hebrews verse chapter 1 verse 3. It says this. Now I've got different translations of the Bible that I love reading. So you can go to the Matthew, Henry or this guy's commentary, that guy's commentary. You can go into the Hebrew and the Greek and everything else. But actually... You can save yourself a lot of trouble when you just go into say a Bible Gateway and you pull up different translations. So here's the Voice Bible. It says he sustains all the that exists through the power of his word. He sustains all that exists through the power of his word. So here's another translation, the Amplified. It says this, same verse. And upholding all and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe, by His powerful Word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. Now, the Amplified just says a simple thing, but it takes a long time to say it. That's why it's Amplified. So those who like talking, preach out of the Amplified. The New American Standard Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. It's different. He upholds all things by the word of his power. But the other translation says he does everything by the power of his word. So the word and his power swap positions. One becomes the subject, the other the object, and they turn around, the object becomes a subject. So here you've got one verse telling you two different things. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So the word is limited to His power. Whereas the other translation says, by the power of His word. So it's the, the word has the power, but He has the power to give the word, or the word carries His power. So it's the same translation, same verse, but different translations say the same thing. So when I read that, I like this one. By the power, by the word of his power. Because to me it's like, the guy who says it, listen to him. But you often say, well, I know it's the power of his word. So when you've got the word, the power is limited to inside that word. It's also true. If you take Psalm 119 and verse 130, in fact, let me just turn there. Psalm 119, 130, and you think, are there 130 verses in Psalm 119? I think David loved talking at that point, and so the scribe had to say a lot. So it says, Psalm 119, verse. One thirty. Where we are we now? The unfolding of your words gives light. The unfolding of your word gives light. The word, or the power of His word. <clears throat> so, if the power is in His word, and the word unfolds, that unfolding gives what the word has. If I sent you the old letter. Not the email, the letter. You still have to click to open emails. When that email gets to you, you have to open it to get what it has. So the unfolding of your word gives the power, gives the light. So when you take a healing word and you receive the word of healing, you get that word what it has. You have healing. If you have a word on peace, when you receive that word of peace, you get peace. That's why Mark 16:20 says this, and he confirmed his word with signs following. That means a sign is linked to the word. Whatever sign happens is linked to whatever word is spoken. So when you speak a certain word, you'll get a certain sign. So here's this, certain messages have certain signs following them. When you preach that message on divine healing, that message on miracles, you're going to get what it has. Miracles. The unfolding of your words. You, you, he confirms His word with signs following. folly. Now friends... When you you start getting the Word of God like that into you, something starts changing inside of you. Something starts burning like a revival inside of you. You start reading that Word as if it's the first time you've ever read it before, and you say, Ha! I'm just not going to take that at what everyone says. I'm going to take it for what He says. And when He says what He says, He does what He does. It's called the power of God. It's called revival. It's called an awakening. The trouble is, when we read the Word like we have read it before, and we don't take it for what it really is. We keep keeping the same old method and understanding. And we keep saying, yeah, I know that word. He, we, we, I read that all the time. I know what it means. I, 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 I've been reading the word 30, 43 three years being saved. But sometimes when I read the word like this week, it's like, I've never seen that before. Why? Because revelation comes to the heart. But when we receive the word through information, you just get academics. It doesn't bring life. You get religion, not relationship. You get stagnation, not a stirring. You just get away from chills and thrills to the reality. And church must never be chills and thrills, it's got to be a reality. Because when reality happens to you, you take it home with you. When it's chills and thrills, it remains here. Yeah. Because only one person can do it, and it's Jesus, not the the guy preaching. So here we go. Here's eleven Hebrews eleven verse three again. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Hee hee he- hee hee hee. <laughs> <laughs> By the word of the Lord, the universe was made. And the host, the stars, the galaxies, by the breath of his mouth. Can I say it this way? When an angel smells the breath of heaven on your mouth, he does what it says. Say that again. (laughs) When an angel smells heaven on the breath of what you say, when he senses and smells the word of God, it has a scent. It's the aroma of heaven. When he has that on your mouth, he goes and he does what it says. Yeah. But if you don't say what he says, the angels, I don't know you guys. You have church, but there's no power. I don't hear God here. But when a church, when a church is awaking, when revival happens, the, the angels break in. They hang around. They want to be a part of what's going on. Because that's heaven on earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's where it happens. Let me read another verse here. Amplified, we understand that the world's universe ages. We're framed and created, formed, put in order, and equipped by the intended purpose, by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So here's the thing. Nathaniel, right? So here's the thing. When God made this world and everything around us, how did He do it? He didn't take a grain of sand or a piece of dust and say, hey guys, watch this, watch this. Angels, watch this. You know, something, He just, what's in Him comes out of Him and there it is. The word of His power. But it's the power of His word that both go together. Let me read you this one. Psalm 23 verse 6. By the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord. There you go. Both together. The heavens were made. And the breath of his mouth all their host. I think that's a similar translation of what I've just read. John 6.63. I love this one. It says this. The Message Bible. Share muscle and willpower. Don't make anything happen. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word, and so it is life-making. Amplified. It is the spirit who gives life, and the flesh conveys no benefit. It is of no account. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life, providing eternal life. The, the Voice Bible says, the words I have been teaching you are spirit and life. New American Standard Word says the words I've been speaking to you are both spirit and life. Now um, how where else have you ever read that such a language that such a a word can carry both spirit and life? Who else who else can offer that in this world? Can the Muslims? Can the Shira law can Uh, Well, Hindu, can any of these other things have that kind of power? Nothing. Why do you think the devil wants to shut down the gospel language of faith? Did God say? He's trying to attack the word of his power. Did God say? Did God say? No, no. We don't, want him, we don't want the world to know what he has said. Look what he has done. Look at his power. Look at his ability. And he's given that to the church. He's given that to every believer. Just say the word. He's given that to us. That's why the devil doesn't want us to walk around speaking it. Satan cannot. He twists it. He tries to remove its authenticity of power. But when a church starts standing up and starts speaking what I think is the language of heaven on earth, it is the language of faith, this thing, trusting. When you speak the language of faith, it has both power and spirit and eternal life. Heaven on earth will go away. Whatever He's created goes away. But His Word remains forever. And so when His Word is in you, you and the Word remain. That's called eternal life. You go on beyond, from the womb to the tomb and beyond. Amen. So, having said all that, how can we bring that to you in a way that you'll understand it? So, if you will go with me to John chapter 4. Because here I discovered, now I haven't found this in any book. And I'm not saying I'm super spiritual, but... It's just something that I've discovered, and I'm still working through it, but it is so obviously true here. John four forty six. You know the story of the nobleman. John 4. I am about to. There we go. I'll stand up there. I just want to read this to you. Okay, can I stand up here? He came again to Condor of Galilee. Oh, there we go. Thanks. There we go. Rece- uh, sorry, and uh, where they made it to water to wine. There was a royal official whose son was sick in caping up. You know the story. Royal official, man of position and power, governor. He had tasted, he'd been to the wedding, he tasted what Jesus can do. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea, Into Galilee, he went to him and was begging him to come down and heal his son, for he is at the point of death. I want you to, I want you to see that verse there. When he heard, I want you to circle it in the Bible word heard. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea, because faith comes by hearing. Here's the first thing about this one. This is the the power of his word. This man heard the word when he heard that Jesus, and he had heard him and listened to him. He went to him and said, Come to heal my son for his other death. He was in a desperate need. Medicine could not help. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you'll simply not believe. So in other words, you're always waiting for signs and wonders, but I want you to participate in what I'm doing on earth, because I'm not always going to be around to do signs and wonders. I want you to believe what I say, because when you believe what I say, the kingdom of God's with you. The royal official said to him, verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. One thing about this man is that he kept saying the same thing. He didn't change his request. One thing about prayer, you keep praying the same thing, Jesus will answer. When he heard that, okay, where am I now? Jesus said, your son, so Jesus said, go. Your son lives. Four words. Some Bibles say, go your way, your son lives. That's the word that he spoke, right? That's fine. It's the word that he spoke. So it's the power of his word. This man, the nobleman, is walking in the revelation of knowing God's word carries power. Okay? The word of his power the word power of his word said, Go, the man believed, number two, he heard, number two, he believed, he heard, now he's believing the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. Notice that verse 50 you can put in there Romans 10, nine and ten when you, the word is nigh you it's in your mouth, it's in your heart, for with a mouth says he believes in your salvation, righteousness. And that's it. You become born again. So here you find exactly how that word of God works. Believe the word that Jesus spoke to him and off. Notice it's what Jesus said, not what someone else said, not the disciples, not Peter, not John, what Jesus said. Friends, we've got to hear what Jesus says. When he says the word, it is the word. The power is in his word. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying, that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. And Jesus said yesterday, and the man said yesterday, seventh hour. So the father knew, third point. So the father knew, heard, believed, no. When you know, you don't need faith anymore. Because when you know, you've done it. Let me come to That this was at the hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. The impact of believing the word of God will impact your household. A church believing the word of God will impact a community. A community that believes in the word of God will impact a city. A city that believes in the word of God will begin to impact a province and it goes bigger and bigger. But it starts off with just a one-on-one encounter. And when that one-on-one encounter happens, it is going to change the destiny of your family. This is, again, a second sign that Jesus performed when you come out of Judea galilee First one, water to wine. Second one, this. What was he doing? Here is something which I believe that is important. How does the church operate today and compare to the Old Testament? It's this. The man believed the word that Jesus said. When you believe the Word of God, when it's the power of His Word, when you believe in the power of His Word to raise your son, you believe in the power of the Word of God to fashion your future, and you go your way, however you want to go, each one can go your different way. But as you go your way, you are doing one thing, which is why this is called the second miracle. That one thing is is that... What you have heard Jesus say, you are now possessing his word, and you are carrying his word. And you haven't seen the result yet. But when you meet someone with the answer, you inquire, when did this happen? Yesterday, when he said it. When he said it, that's what happened. It's called faith. So what is this? This is one level of faith where the translation in Hebrews says it's the power of his word. It's the power of His Word. He still relies upon what He says to bring change to humanity. Now, the power of His Word there touches a household. The power of His Word there relies on you, no matter what your position is, a nobleman, a king, a prince, a governor of a whole area. It doesn't matter. He went to a carpenter with no shoes, but he believed the Word. It's got nothing to do with outward appearance, status, Or anything else, it's got everything to do with the power of God's word. So for me, it's so nice because I understand that I can identify with this man because when you go from your place of trouble and you get the word what Jesus says, your trouble has already changed before you see it. It's called faith in this world. It's how the church operates. For we do not see the thing, for we we do not look at the things that are seen. For the things that are seen in the temporary, but the unseen things are eternal. So you get Romans 4, 17, 18, around there. That's what happens. So in understanding this, I think Jesus was telling us something. Now, who is the other man who has the the word of his power? Because that is a whole different level. And so for that one, we can go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 4, sorry. Or Matthew 8. Let me just get there. And here we have the story of the centurion. Because this man operated at a totally different level. Matthew 5 and verse 8. There we go. Have I got the right one? Not. Shows you I haven't got these scriptures down right, eh? Centurion, Matthew 8, 5. Back to front. And Jesus entered Capernaum. A centurion came to him, begging him. Notice it. This man was also begging Jesus and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus says, I'll come to him. Centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. The word of his power. This is the other one. The nobleman was the power of his word. He took the word and he went out. Here's another one. Why is this? Because I want you to see the parallels. Number one, they were both pretty important men. Number two, they both had people that weren't there. They were at a distance and both got healed. Number three, one didn't go anywhere near the house. He was asked, please come to my house. And he said, no, you just go. The other one says, I will come to your house. And he says, no, please don't come. There's there's different understandings here. Because the one says, would you come to my house? Because he just wanted Jesus to be with him. And some people just want the presence of God. Jesus and His Word are the same. When you see Jesus, wherever He is in the Bible, you can always write there His presence, because He's always present. And when He speaks from His presence... In revival, when the revival comes, you don't need to pray for the sick because His presence, sickness is illegal in His presence. Because in His presence is the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God in heaven, there is no sickness. So the kingdom of God cannot give you what it doesn't have. But what it doesn't have, it gets rid of, it expels, it removes. Demons will not hang around in the presence of God. So here, this man... Came to him and said, uh, said would you come, to, I'll come to your house. And he said, no, I'm not going to come. And the Syrian said to him, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Lord, I know your word has power, but when you say it, that's all I need to hear. Yeah. He put the power in the one who said it. Why was the centurion thinking that way? Here's the key. Centurion is a soldier under Caesar. The kingdom of Rome, the Roman kingdom, the Roman government, Caesar king. And he understood kingdom. The nobleman understood household, grassroots faith. This man understood kingdom. So in the local church, we've got to have grassroots faith. But also the church has got to understand kingdom economics of how the church is to infiltrate community. So he said, well, Jesus, I know how this kingdom works. I I know how you operate because I operate in a similar thing. But it's not the same. But the principles are the same. I go to Caesar in the morning, and he tells all our centurions what's to be done in his kingdom, the Roman kingdom. He tells me, and I walk outside, and I say to this guy, come, and he comes, and to that one, go, and he goes, and to this one, do this, and he does not All I do is repeating the command from the commander, and I'm telling everybody else what to do, and I'm watching over what's going on. Jesus, I know what you're up to. You go and report to your father. I understand that. I'm here, I'm like, I understand because you're his son and this is how I operate. And you've got your disciples and you're telling them what to do and go. This and is, I get it, Jesus. I know how the kingdom, the word of his power works. I know it's not my power, but it's his power. I, I do what I see him do and I say what I hear him say. Didn't Jesus say that? Now when you start doing that, I tell you what, the world changes around you. Because you walk in an authority that this world is waiting for. So he just says, just say the word is done. I know how it works. You don't have to get there. Just, just say it. Because Jesus says, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. You see, Jesus endorsed what he was. And he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. Because he understood the one who said it happens. Now, isn't this interesting when Jesus, let me, I just want to throw something out there. Toby. So you can change it. But he says, the centurion says, I say to this one, go and this one comes. Why do you think he said that? Here's what I think. Hebrews 1.13 and 14 says, Ministering spirits are sent on behalf of those who are heirs to salvation to enact the kingdom on earth. So I think this Roman soldier says, yeah, I know, I've got guys that do stuff for me. And Jesus, you've got angels that do stuff for you. And by the way, Jesus, when we talk from that authority... We can see things happen on earth because we have those that we can send and those that come. And I don't think we really understand the economics of what the kingdom of God is about. When every single Christian, you can elicit angels to go and come and do things. Because he understood kingdom. Nobleman, he was still getting there. He was still managing his household. But there's a kingdom that comes with a great authority. So, here are just the two things. Now, Jesus, when he walked on earth, there were times when he spoke to individuals. And you would say to them, pick up your mat and go. And then you say to Bonomaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus would say, according to your faith. By the way that your faith has been done, it can happen to you. And then he said, "When I see that faith in you, you've got it." And yet, at other times, he didn't even talk to people. He would say to them, "Stretch out your hand like an X-ray. Look at us, such as I am. Stretch out your. I'm going to give you something that you don't. Bang! He pulls that person in. Why? Because he's operating from kingdom. Peter and John operating from kingdom. Lystra, stand up on your feet. When he saw their faith, he said, stand up on your feet. What do you think that was? That was like a centurion kind of faith where he just says, come, go, do stuff. There was none of this personal dialogue of saying, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. Well, go and show yourself to the priests. And so they went off and they got healed. One came back and thanked him and was made totally whole. Brand new fingers, brand new ears. The others just got healed parts of the body. There's something in the kingdom that's more than that. So the word of his power, centurion kind of faith, and Jesus commended it. Could there be a time, and I know when we talk about revival and people like tomorrow night as we're showing you pictures, there are times when you stand up and you command from a realm of faith, you just say, Ears be open, eyes see. You're commanding from that realm that the centurion has and it's miraculous power. It it's changes nature. It's a weightier understanding of the kingdom. When there are other times when you lay hands on the sick and you speak healing to them. That's nobleman kind of faith. The power of his word. The word, but the word of his power. To me, there are two different things that I see and how Jesus operated and how the book of Acts began to happen. Acts 5.15, there's the shadow. At least, at least the shadow of Peter healed them. What was the most? He just said the least. Just the least. And then then, even with Jesus, they just touched. Can we... Can we just line these guys up and they just touch your garment? Why? Because someone had already done that in Mark 5, the woman with issue of blood. So everybody else, she just touched his garment and got healed. Hey guys, line up. Jesus, just stand there and we can touch you and get healed. You see, it's the point of their faith that they got it. And so we understand that the Word of God has the power to bring change on people's lives. Can I just say these things if I can find them here? What you participate in, you become. What you participate with, what you enact with, you become like what you enact with. The person you submit yourself to has authority over you. The centurion understood authority. He understood obedience. Authority and obedience are, I tell you, I obey. He understood that, and guess where he got himself? Got it in a different place. The point at where you disobey him is the point that you have left him. In fact, some people say it this way. The point that you disobey him is the point that you are backsliding. Because you've got to come back to that point of obedience. 90% of counsel is this. Our pastor, I've got something wrong. I don't know what's going on. Great. Um, what did God tell you last time? Did you? What did He tell you to do? Da da da. You telling me? Have you done it? No. Please go and do it, and you'll be back with God. It's not like, oh, can I pray for you? No. You get back with God. Jesus, when He talked to him, according to your faith, be done to you as you believe. Just go your way. What is He saying? It's up to you. It's up to us Christians. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to do it. He didn't come up to the man and say, I, "I just leave your mat there. We, the church, will tidy up after you. No, you pick up your mat and you go home with it. And as you go home, make a fire or bury it. But I'm not, we're not handling it. You handle the problem that's kept you there so long. Because that's faith. And when he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, hang on. He's sick. Shouldn't he be healed? No, guys. What do you want me to tell you? you want me to tell him that his sins are forgiven or he's healed? Then he tells him, he says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he turns to that man and says, pick up your mat and get out of here because there's so much unbelief. There's so much misdoctrinal understanding. They're so rigid about the sabbatical law that you're not supposed to heal on Saturday. But he was healing on Saturday. Why? He was shattering the sound barrier of their unbelief and he healed the people. And that's why he said, you need to get out of here. 38 years in this place? No. The church cannot remain stagnant on a mat of comfort for 38 years. You want revival. You need to deal with the mat of unbelief, of ignorance, of religiosity, of looking for a, a stuff that's going on in South Africa with doom and rat poison and snake bites and... Raising the dead, that guy's died so it wasn't, it's just the judgment of that. Forget it. Get back into the Word, friends. When you get back into the Word of God, I tell you, there's something that ignites inside of you. And you can even get a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> that <There, it> happened. <laughs> Burn it. So that's my message for you tonight. What do you believe? What do you want? What are you reaching for? You're waiting. Want an awakening? It starts within us tonight. So I believe that if there's something that started a flame inside of your heart tonight, we need to let God know that He's waiting for us to respond to Him, church. And I pray that there is such a difference. that this, You end up having five services a day. That's what we want. It's not just enough chairs. No, we want five services. Why not? Why not? It's happening in other places. Can we stand together? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just begin to pray and just say, Oh, Lord, tonight we want to see, we want our hearts to be awakened. We want our hearts to be opened. We just want your presence. We desire, I, I, we, we, we often sing that song, Sorry, let our hearts come back to the heart of worship. Sorry for the thing that we've made it. And, and it's not, worship is not just singing. It's how we think of Him. At, at every second of the day, not just Sundays or home cell night. Worship is a place of the heart with Him. And when I was in Liverpool two years ago, discovered that there was a revival in Liverpool, and I didn't know that. And I said, you kidding. Was there a revival here? And he said, yes, by name, by the... A guy by the name of Jeffreys had a tent that sat ten thousand people. And we went and saw the place where they had put this tent, and they had meetings in there for three months every night in England. Cold weather, mud, rain. Three months. Children, that song sung by the Beetle Beatles, the little children playing in the park, chasing butterflies before it gets too dark. That was sung because of that revival. It's it's an old English song in the Beatles in the 60s. Kids would be singing hymns in the play park, swinging on swings, all singing together on the roundabouts. That was the environment that they were in. They just sang hymns. And and that's what a community is like when it starts loving God. But the community's got to hear it from a people that does love God. So church is not just a Sunday thing. It's walking to work. It's driving in taxis. It's going to where you start singing in the taxi. The buses, people just started singing in the buses. People walking down the streets would just start singing and just joining in. They don't have to be English songs. They can be your national songs that are alive and bring a heart that's crying out for some truth. Because there's an awakening inside of us. There's more of what God has. So Lord, I just pray tonight that there's a stir. There's an overshadowing of your Spirit upon this Word tonight that we would say like Mary did, be it done to me, Lord, as you say. Cause your word of power to be ignited in our hearts with a passion so that your power through your word is reverenced and honored more than we have ever done before. God, when you say a thing, it's a thing said and it happens. It's almost prophetic. Father, I pray for every single person that as we cry out to you corporately tonight, just saying, oh God, more of you, more of you, more of you, that you would ignite us. We go home different. This weekend is a change in temperature in our hearts for you. In Jesus' name. Honor and glory to you, O oh Lord. If there's repentance for being cold and lukewarm, then we humble ourselves before you and say, God, forgive me for being lukewarm. It's your heart, Lord Jesus.